The Punk Rocket Show is sponsored by Epic Merch Door, an amazing website supporting the worldwide punk rock scene where you can find tons of merch for bands like Good Riddance, Dead by Stereo, Much the Same, Kool-Aid, Friends on Rom, Useless ID, Voodoo Glow Skulls, and a lot of smaller bands that you need to discover. They've also recently added some official Tony Slime merch. You can find t-shirts, hoodies, hats, mugs, and kids merch with exclusive designs, all with a flat rate shipping cut, which is very great. So if you're addicted to band merch like I am, go to epicmerchstore.com. Hello, Punk Rockers. Welcome to the Punk Rocket Show, episode 51. I'm happy to be your host. My name is Emily Flamondo. I'm French-Canadian, and I love to spread my passion for punk rock. Because punk rock is my favorite thing on earth, and I'm kind of obsessed with it. Today, I'll present you the interview I made with Darren Pfeiffer of Goldfinger Punk Rock Karaoke. He's also a producer and a podcaster. Such a great time with him. I also recommend you a band from my local scene in Quebec called Rose Skills. Enjoy! I'm very excited about this episode. Oh yeah. And it's starting now! Hello Punk Rockers! Salut les punk! I hope you are doing amazing today! You're currently listening to the Punk Rocket Show, episode 51 day without a trace or an indication. Uh, we missed Tony Sly and Noyo's for a name. And yes, I'm back with singing <laughs> some punk rock song with a number of the episode in it. Yeah, it was a good one, I think. <laughs> Uh, I feel super energetic because I just got back from Montreal where I recorded a great collab cover with my friends Carl Boletz and Jan Filiatro. It was really, really, really fun. It was such a good like vocal challenge for me because I had to use a very powerful voice, but also a very soft one in the same song. So it was really interesting to switch both in the same song. And I'm so, 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 so excited to show you our rendition in a few weeks. Also, also, also this week, there's the band Handeld from Canada. I think they are from Alberta or uh, no, Ontario, Ontario. Yes. So they're releasing a new song this week called Band the Iron and I'm doing a featuring on it. Uh, I really love my punk rock life, guys. It makes me so happy. I couldn't live without it. <laughs> For real, it's super fun to be back at being busy with music again. Yes. I still can't believe I work with so many, like, talented people, great humans. It's fantastic. Speaking of talented people and great humans, let's listen to the Repunkmentation of the week. Repunkmentation! Oh yeah, so I talked to you about this band called Rope Skills recently because I saw them play live a few months ago in December. So I saw their first show ever before they even released any stuff. And it was a total wow. Those three women are insanely amazing. The guitarist and lead singer Kate is a friend of mine. And I think she has the most beautiful voice in the whole world. Like, I'm not joking. I, I really mean this. She's also a very great human. I love to talk to her. And also, I like the bassist Pascal vibe on the stage. When I saw them play, she was clearly living her best life and it was so contagious. Wow. And the drummer Pesca, she's such a badass girl. I love her. Very punk attitude. She's incredible to watch play live. And the band just released their debut EP called Discharge. They are playing a mix of punk rock music, a little grunge too, I would say. Let's listen to their song Homeless. And if you want to reach the band and follow them on Instagram and Facebook, just check the show notes. I put all the information there. <laughs> What should I do if I'm hungry? Waiting for them? What should I do if I'm hungry? No one left. 
it's the time to listen to the great conversation I had with Darren Pfeiffer. He used to play in Goldfinger. He's currently drumming for punk rock karaoke. He's also a producer and he's hosting the Dangerous Darren Show podcast. And do you want to know what's amazing? <laughs> We started the conversation by talking about space and the universe. <laughs> like, you know how much I love this, right? So it was... Very fun to geek about this a little at the beginning. We also talked about his history with music and how Goldfinger was formed, uh, why he's not playing in the band anymore. And I also asked him some of your questions and we talked about all his projects. He's a real punk rock warrior. So enjoy. Recording in progress. Uh, I like the adolescent poster or like the in the background. Yeah. Oh, that is, uh, yeah, that's Steve Soto yeah, drumhead. Soto, yeah. Uh, oh, that's so Sorry. great. Yeah, Steve, Steve Soto, uh, Remo sent me that. Oh, really? So uh, whenever punk rock karaoke plays, I bring one with me and put it somewhere on the stage so people uh, can see it. That's so beautiful. Thank uh, you. This is my, my podcast. I just recorded yeah, good. Pro Tools. I just finished and, uh, and I gonna edit it all and make it sound make me sound sexy because i don't normally sound sexy <laughs> we all need some tricks to, to yes stop. yes and pro tools is amazing and logic and other other programs have a sexy button a lot of people don't know that really i It's use different. logic we have no, you know it yeah but you, you press the button and it makes you sound i don't even know but someone uh, my, my boyfriend is editing for me and he, he's using pro tool so yeah maybe. yeah he knows the tricks he knows yeah. the tricks <laughs> <laughs> so where are you on this crazy planet right now uh who, why do you assume i'm on the planet uh yeah that's right we can never know i could so. be broadcasting from the international space uh, station i'm oh. sure they have wi-fi oh uh, you would be so lucky i wish I, i'd be there right now <laughs> to be honest that would be cool yeah it's because uh you know you'd be away from the craziness that's on this planet right now yeah uh, I'm, in La i'm in los angeles oh. california Oh, yeah, I wish I would be in, in the ISS and watching the Earth and be like, why are you fighting, people? That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny when you look down. I've never been up, obviously. But when you look <laughs> at the planet from way far up in space and you look down on it and you see the, the continents and you see the land masses, mm -hmm. you don't see any lines. I know. There's, there's, there's no lines. We, we, we created those lines. Yeah. We drew those things. This is ours. This is mine. That's you. Fuck off. I hate you. Yeah. And I always. Well, that's, all, that's not organic. That's man made. All yeah. this hate, it's man made. Yeah. Sucks. So I always, because I'm a huge fan of space and universe, and I always tell the listeners, you know, we my, maybe we are the only intelligent being in the universe. Probably not, but maybe. And we can take more care of each other. Like, doesn't make sense <laughs> no we're definitely not though we're not for sure we're definitely not there's a little chance we are but a thing or two about the universe and about the galaxies and the universe and the creation of the universe being almost you know 15 billion years old and there's no way that life could could not be in other parts of this universe there has to be life in other parts but here's what i think i think our part of the galaxy Because I think there's uh, life in the Milky Way galaxy yeah, too, probably. but because it's so, because it's a yeah. hundred, it's a hundred million light years across. Yeah. Oh. Or, no, sorry, a hundred. Is it a hundred million or a hundred thousand? It's I think a hundred thousand light years across. So it takes like a hundred thousand years to go from one end to the other, and we will never ever travel the speed of light. So True. there's no way we'll get to the other end of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. So I think there's life in the galaxy. And I think that we, our area of the galaxy is, is designed for, um, how do I word this? For training. Like yeah. we're training oh. <laughs> a species. And no other, it's like when you have a dog and you're training the dog, you, you put it in a little playpen. Mm -hmm. And it can't get out of that playpen, okay? It can't go to the intelligent part of the house. Yeah, so... Other life forms look at us in our little playpen and go, aren't they cute? Oh. You know, so, and they, they can't do any harm over there. And if they True. do, if they blow up their planet, whatever, they had their shot. So we're in a training area of the galaxy. And other oh people come and look at us and go, well, aren't they cute? They're starting a war <laughs> in Ukraine. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, they're so dumb. Uh, uh, so that's how I, I view our little our corner of the uh, galaxy, our little corner of the universe. There's also a theory saying that when uh, some beings are getting too intelligent, they just destroyed itself. So that's why we we never seen. 
Well, if you, you've seen that movie Contact, right? A uh, long time ago. I don't really remember, but yeah. Well, if you like aliens in space, it's a, it, was a, it was a book written by Carl Sagan, who mm. was a very famous astrophysicist. He's like, he was like the Neil deGrasse Tyson of the 70s and 80s. Uh, yeah. Okay. So he wrote this book about what would happen when Earthlings first made contact. Mm -hmm. It's called contact with uh, an alien race. How would it? How, how would it happen on Earth? What would happen with the with the religions and what would happen with the with the with the you know politicians and that everyone would fall over themselves? There'd be people scared and yeah. and then uh, they asked her during a uh, a questioning session in Congress, what what would you say? What would be your first question? If you only had one question, mm -hmm. what would what would, what would it be? And she goes, I'd want to know how they survived the technological adolescence without killing themselves. Wow. What, what a lot of, you know, theorists, uh, theorist people believe is, um, uh, theologians, they believe that we're in this era age called the age of coral, which is a really great record by Cro-Mags, by oh, the way. Yeah. Nice. Um, I love this age band. of coral. We're in an age of coral. We're at a time when we just can't stop fighting. Look what's going on in the Ukraine. Like we can't stop. We're very combative. We, I don't, we don't like each other, you know, because of religion or race or color or whatever the place may be. Vaccine. We, so we're in the age of coral. And this is a time, it could be a hundred years, could be 500, could be a thousand, that, you know, from this point, where we could actually destroy ourselves. We could True. launch missiles and wipe the planet right off and we all die and it, 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 it just it would be horrible. So if we could find a way to survive this wow. age, then we could, we could advance. If we all got along, we, we would, we, there would be no more hunger. There'd be water and education for everybody. It would no one would have no one to be there'd be very little poverty in the um, world. It would be wonderful, but we just can't seem to get so fall, stop falling all over ourselves. So we're like at a turning point right now. That's I great. hope so. Yeah. Now, I mean, either either, either we're going to destroy ourselves or we're going to figure it all out and prosper. Wow! Wow! Live I love this. It's the best beginning of interview I've ever made so far. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Talking you. about universe and space right away. It's like, I love this. <laughs> no, it's, I, I'm a big fan. You can say I got spaceships and oh. planets. And oh, my God. Yeah. Great tattoo. It's a, it's a big part of my life. I want a telescope, a, te a tattoo telescope. My dad used to build some telescopes when I was young. Like it was huge because like it's it, it's easier for amat amateur people to build like huge telescope, but it was working, and I used to see Saturn and like the moon like super yeah. often. It's great. Very um, very cool. So thank you for being my guest today. I am so happy to talk to you because for me you're like a punk rock warrior. You do like pretty much anything so i have some specific question but i would like just to hear your your story and hear your dog i hear your dog right now <laughs> oh yeah they're um... hi dog yeah, yeah. sorry cute no uh so and yeah go ahead fire away one of one of the question i got the most for you from the listeners was uh if you had a specific uh drummer that inspired you to start playing when you were young, like super young? It wouldn't be one, it would be a couple. Um, if I had to pick one, if I had no choice but to pick one, it would probably be John Bonham from Led Zeppelin. Oh. The drummer of Led Zeppelin. And if you talk to any number of drummers, you're gonna hear that name a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not the younger kids that are coming up now, uh, or maybe so because his, his mark on drumming was so profound mm -hmm. for rock guys like myself that it, um, It, 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 he was just incredible. He was uh, before his time. So John Bonham, if I had to pick one, but a very close second, I mean, right next to him would be a guy named Stuart Copeland who played in The Police. Oh, okay. Great. He was a drummer of The Police. And The Police were a mix of punk. Early on, they had some punk songs. They had True. Uh, pop, obviously. There was a lot of reggae, uh, a, a fair amount of ska. I mean, they, they were like Goldfinger before Goldfinger. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were Real Big Fish before Real Big Fish. So, so the, the influence of Stuart Copeland's incredibly masterful, tasty drumming mm -hmm. was not lost on me at an early age. Yeah. I would sit and study his playing for hours, days, weeks, months. I would, I, would, I would be stuck on a certain song or a certain lick he had. I would go to drum stores and talk to the teachers and go, do you like the police? And they're like, of course. They're like, do you like Stuart Copeland? Of course. 
I go, can I play you something on a cassette that long uh, ago? Yeah. Can I, can I play you something? And can you show me how to do this? And they're like, oh, yeah, sure. Let's, let's go. I, I'd plop it in. And he'd listen and go, oh, yeah, yeah. Here's what you do. And he'd slow it down. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh. yeah. Real slow. Because everything, when you learn, you know, That's fast. the way. Mm-hmm. Or, or punk rock guitar, you're going to slow it down. Or fast bass lines, you're gonna slow them down. Yeah. Do 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 do. And eventually, same with drums. You start slow and then you work your way up to the speed of the song. Yeah. Oh, so you learn. So yeah. So Stuart, I spent a lot of time studying Stuart. Spent a lot of time studying John Bonham. And then third guy would be Alex Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Didn't do the kind of stuff that that. Bottom did didn't do the kind of tasty hi hat work that Stuart Copeland did, um, but his phrasings were amazing. He was rock solid. He had some cool fills. He had he had incredible looking drums, like drum yeah. set the size of my house, just <laughs> big drums. And uh, so those three guys were the were the first three that influenced me for sure. Wow. So how old were you at this time? I was probably twelve, thirteen. Oh, cool. Yeah, when so I started, young. I started around 11 with a snare drum, uh, that family snare drum, which became Darren's snare drum because no mm-hmm. one wanted it. So I, I would practice to play along just on a freaking snare drum. And then uh, I was like, I got to have a drum set, Mom. She's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, we know. We, we, thought, we thought it was going to be a phase. Yeah. So I was on the <laughs> snare drum for a little while, and then finally I got into uh, a, a drum kit. I was about 13 when I got my first kit. Wow. So, and then uh, did you start a band very quickly? What, what was your first band or project? So playing along to music until I was about 16. And that's when I met some guys in my hometown of Akron, New York, just outside of Buffalo, New mm-hmm. York, that were into metal. Like, I loved metal. I loved Black Sabbath. Yeah. I loved um, the, the Led Zeppelin. I loved anything metal, Deep Purple. So I met these guys. Metallica, Slayer were around at this time, so I was into that. And they liked the same music, too, and they went to my high school. Oh. So we started, uh, we didn't have a band. We were just like three guys that jammed a bass player. Jamming, who, yeah. His name, his name is Alex Webster. He's now the bass player of Cannibal Corpse. Oh, wow. Original bass player. Went to high school with him. And Jack Owen, who was also in Cannibal Corpse for a long time. Nice. Then he left and joined Deicide. And now I don't know what he's doing. But <laughs> oh. uh, So we, uh, we played metal, and then we joined a band in Buffalo. And this other guitar player who was pretty good, had a rehearsal space, uh, a lockout, as it's known. So we put all of our equipment in there and started a band called Beyond Death. Oh, yeah. Reminds me something. Beyond Death. Very, very metal, very anthraxy, very thrashy. Not so Cannibal Corpse, where like gore and d- grossness. Uh, we were more like just anthrax. We yeah. loved Testament and anthrax and stuff like that. Um, nice. And then that didn't work out. Oh. And then I, I got into a hardcore band because I love I love the Chromags, Agnostic Front, Warzone. Um, I loved all that New York City stuff. I just loved it. Sick of uh, Youth of sick Today, of Gorilla all. Biscuits. Loved yeah. it. Great. Yeah, Sick of It All were my heroes. I just had Armand on my podcast mm-hmm. uh, drink, drinking his beer, which oh. uh, is gone now. But um, So I, I started a hardcore band called Zero Tolerance, which actually made quite a mark. We, we did tours with uh, Sick of It All. We did tours nice. with um, Shelter and Youth of Today, all in, up and down the East Coast. And we had Victory Records looking at us at, at oh. a time, Tony Bramell, uh, before he sold it. Uh, this was early on before Victory became Victory Records. There was a small guy named Tony Bramell uh, in an uh, apartment in Chicago, and he liked what we were doing, and he put us on one of his compilations. That's how he started his label. Nice. So we had label interests. We had a manager. Oh. We were doing tours, doing big shows. And then one day, it just kind of fell apart. Why? Uh, egos. Mm. The one guy in the band was, uh, you know, a problem and mm. just, it just, just imploded. Oh, so, okay. But, and so we are now at early 90s? Yes, we're 1990, 91, right, right around okay. that time. That's when I packed up and moved to California. So then, so you, you were like more like a metalhead, hardcore guy. And then how did you end up uh, playing in Goldfinger, which is a total other style even if it's well, like kind I, of related was, but... yeah, right even though i was listening to 
metal metal bands, mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, uh, Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax. I was also listening to The Police, mm-hmm. uh, and I was listening to uh, classical music and jazz. So I was listening to pop music. My parents oh, okay. liked. My parents, my mom liked Elvis Presley, and she liked Johnny Cash, and my sister liked Loverboy and Styx, oh, and, okay. and my grandma liked uh, classical music. And wow. um, so, listening to the Police, I gravitated towards ska, the early like the, fir- the first wave, Desmond Decker, uh, Madness, like like the the, the first ska bands. I mm-hmm. loved reggae. I loved Bob Marley. I loved Peter Tosh. Yeah. I loved um, Steel Pulse. So when uh, but I said I, I did at the time in high school. I still had a, a deep appreciation for punk rock. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though I was into metal and hardcore, I, I liked punk. I liked the Clash. I loved the Clash. They're still my favorite band wow. next to the Beatles. They're number two. Uh, I loved the Ramones and the Sex Pistols and uh, all that. All the classic punk rock stuff I loved. So when I moved to LA, I got a job working at Starbucks. Oh, and in ninety, this is ninety two. And I met John Feldman. At a Starbucks? At a Starbucks. Nice. <laughs> he came in to see his friend Damien, who I was friends with. And he was looking for a drummer and came up to me. And we started talking about drums. This is actually a really funny oh, story. I didn't know that. But talking about drums and drumming. And this was 92. So Nirvana were like the biggest band in the world oh, at the time. Oh, yeah, True. So he asked me one time, he was being really friendly, really cool. And he's like, hey, so one time he comes in and he goes, hey, Darren, tell me, tell, what do you think of Dave Grohl and Nirvana? And I love Nirvana. I, yeah, because he was playing drums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought, I still love Nirvana. I love yeah. those records. And I love Dave's drumming and on those records. And he says, what do you think of a Dave Grohl as a drummer? And I go, Dave's a really good drummer. And he got kind of mad and he goes, and he mad? got my, oh. a little bit. And he goes, Dave Grohl is the best drummer in rock and roll <laughs> on the earth right now. Now, I'm not wow. trying to diss Dave Grohl. No. I Dave Grohl's a fantastic drummer. A really fucking rock solid, choppy, fantastic drummer. But I come yeah. from metal. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and hardcore, hardcore music and punk Super rock. So fast drums. So and- I said, yeah, he's pretty good. And he's like, oh, you don't think he's the best drummer on the planet? Or something like that. I go, uh, no, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> and I said, so then he got madder and he goes, well, I suppose you're better than Dave Grohl. So I, I stopped and I said, technically, yeah, I'm probably <laughs> a little bit better than Dave Grohl. And he got so really furious, pissed off, mad at me. And he's like, fuck you. You don't fucking know shit about drums. You no probably way. stuck. Like, and then people in the Starbucks are looking at him like. That's that. I, no. So the first uh, time you met him, you f- you had a fight. <laughs> no, this was like the third or fourth time. We, we oh, were cordial okay. for the first couple times. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and then we started talking drums. And they stormed out. Wow. Like, fuck you, and stormed out. He comes back a couple times. You know, food. <laughs> Broke rock star, you know, back, back then. So oh. he'd come in and he'd see me and he goes, Darren. And I go, John. You know, like. <laughs> eyes and eyes uh, and like and then yeah and, hey Darren I go hey John <laughs> so he would come in then he, then he finally decided to talk to me a second time about drums and he came up to me and he goes do you like Pantera do you like metal <laughs> and he had no idea about my background mind you that I played in hard okay. metal bands no idea at all he didn't hit near me play drums at all and, he, and I go I love metal and he goes oh yeah cool do you like Pantera again 92 Pantera were massive yeah Massive. I said, yeah, I love Pantera. Absolutely. And he goes, let me guess. All sarcastic. He goes, let me guess. You can do all that Vinnie Paul, like double bass drumming. You can do all that, all that like thrash, thrashy metal, metal shit. Right. And I go, I can. <laughs> and he th- I remember, I'll, I'll never forget. He threw, he threw his hands up in the air and he goes, oh my God, Darren Pfeiffer, everybody. The best drummer in Los Angeles. And I remember when I said to him, I looked at him and I was like, you're such an asshole. Super arrogant and like, sarcastic. And he's like, oh, and he walked away with his coffee and his free pastry. Like, Darren Tucker, best drummer in the whole fucking world. I'm and dying. I go to my friend Damon. I go, what is up with your friend John? He's intense. And he goes, yeah, no, he's really, he takes this shit really seriously. Wow. So then the story progresses. I'm with this other drummer that works there named Pete. Now, Pete had long hair. 
and he was kind of a hippie, and he wore patchouli, and it was gross. But he was so sweet. And we're making coffee one day on the machine because yeah. we had a lot of coffee. We were making coffee, and he's like, "Hey, your buddy John Felden came in uh, and had me this cassette tape um, with some songs on it, and it's not really my speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably maybe probably more your speed." So he went after the other drummer that worked at, at the restaurant and not me, which I didn't care because I thought John was a douche. Um, so uh, I took the I took, and all it had on it was his name, John Feldman, and his phone number. That's all it said on it, on the cassette. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. I went home. I popped it in my player. I pressed play, and it had, I think it had Miles Away on it that made our, wow. our first record. It had... Anxiety, which made our first record. Oh. Uh, Here in Your Bedroom wasn't on it yet, but there were like three or, or five, there were five songs on it. Tell me you still have this cassette. I do. I have it. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know where it is, but I have it. It's my mom's house somewhere. So I was absolutely blown away. It was like Green Day, and I loved Green Day. Still love Green Day. Mm-hmm. It, was like, it was poppy. It was punky. The drumming was good. It was, it was, it fucking blew me, blew me away. I'll, I, I remember sitting there looking at, at the stereo like this, like, yeah. Oh my God. This is what I want to do. Right. Called him up on a telephone. His number was on the cassette. And I'll <laughs> never forget, as long as I live, another John Feldmanism. Hey, John, <laughs> it's Darren Pfeiffer. His response What do you want? <laughs> so I ignore it. I go, I got your cassette that you gave to Pete. And he goes, oh, okay, what's up? And I go, I'm just, I just listened to it like three times. And he goes, well, what do you think? I go, I am absolutely and fully and completely honestly blown away at how good this is. And well, I'll tell you, he, like a light switch going off, he became my best friend overnight. Nice. The sweetest guy you'll ever meet begging me, begging <laughs> me to rehearse. Please, Darren, can you, you want to rehearse? I go, yeah, I, I can learn these songs by tomorrow. And he goes, hey, let's jam tomorrow. Yeah, because the best drummer on the planet, Darren. The best drummer on the planet, that's was, me. That's yeah, me. was so, willing uh, to jam. No. So Goldfinger, John, it wasn't Goldfinger, it was just John Feldman and Simon Williams, mm-hmm. the original bass player on the first two Goldfinger records. So it's John and Simon, those two. So mm-hmm. I came into the room, and there's Simon, and there's John. I shook Simon's head, nice to meet you. That's when I met him. I learned the five songs, sat down on someone else's drum kit, and not only did I play the songs, I added fills, I added my own style. Nice. And John was doing backflips. Simon oh, yeah. was like, wow, yeah, you, you, you're going you're, you're gonna to be in this band. You're going to be in this band. Yeah. And John's begging me, you need to join this band. And I was in some other bands. That, that were, you know, mm-hmm. making a little bit of noise. And I was like, well, I don't know. I've, I got these other things on the go. And they're like, like, Darren, I was wrong about you. I was wrong about you, and I'm really sorry. And, and you need to join this band, like, today, like, right now. And I go, This is rehearse. amazing. So we rehearsed a couple more times, and then it just got more. And he would, like, literally sh- shaking you. Yeah. Do we need, do we, we probably need another guitar player. I mean, we have a name he's like nope and we'll get one we'll get a guitar player but yeah i eventually said okay fine i'll, I'll join the band mm-hmm. i knew i was going to join the band the second i heard the, the cassette oh yeah i knew i was like this is what i want to be but i wanted to make i wanted to make john suffer <laughs> he a deserved it a little a little bit he did he did uh, and then uh, so i joined and we got charlie paulson in the band and we called it goldfinger because we didn't know what else to call it and it stuck got signed to a record company called Mojo, which was part of Universal oh, Music, man. put out our first record, and you, the rest, you all you I all think know. you made, like, big tours right away, right? Oh, yeah, we went out with uh, No Doubt. <gasps> we went out with the Sex Pistols. We went out with 311. Wow. We went out with Incubus. We went out. We played with a bunch of, of bands at that time that were doing well. So you told me at the beginning that you were into Sex Pistols, and then you, were, you went on tour with them. That's crazy. With who? Uh, Sex Pistols. Oh, Sex Pistols, yeah. That's yeah. like the dream. <laughs> And no it was, doubt. Yeah. My God, no uh, doubt. It was the dream uh, on paper. And I'll tell you why. Oh. We played large sheds, they're called. Like the outdoor amphitheaters. Mm-hmm. All sh- mostly sheds. It's a weird Now, match, though. A little weird match. <laughs> it was, but we, our agents made it work, and uh, we, got, we got paid next to no money, but <laughs> barely enough to, to, to survive on the road. Now, we hated it. 
because oh. because everyone that came to see the Sex Pistols in '97, yeah, were old punk rockers that were in their 40s, mm. and we we're like in our early 20s, mid 20s, mm. and we're playing this like poppy punky stuff, yeah, and they're like, I, that's what I said. So I, I'm not a weird match. <laughs> I'm not making this up. We had people during the shows that were doing this. Oh, yeah, like uh, cross hard. If they and... weren't doing this, yeah. they were doing this. Oh, like middle fingers. Show. Wow. The whole show. No one, I mean, if we had someone do this, <laughs> we thought it was a good show. Like, like, that, that guy bobbed his head. Just a little so, head reaction and like. So after three shows, we did three shows. We we're backstage and we we're like licking our wounds. Like no one likes us. Maybe we should break up. Or well, maybe we oh, suck. Maybe no. we did. Then and then I think John Feldman said, "You know what, guys? Fuck this shit. Let's let's go out there and be punk. Let's. They don't yeah. think we're punk enough. They they think we're newbies and we're not punk like the Pistols. Let's be punk." So we went out there and we just let it all out. We played two or three songs and then we hear booze or fuck you. And we go, listen, you all hate us. Uh, and, and that's cool. But we're young. We're in our 20s. And you guys are like 50s. And you'll be dead in like <laughs> 20 years. And we'll, be ha and, and we'll be having sex with your daughter tonight. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then the booze got louder and the fuck you got like bigger. And, like, and then we play a couple songs and we're like, yeah, you all have cancer. And, 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 <laughs> And, and, and can't get boners and we can and we're cancer free and you guys are on walkers and we're like going to be banging your daughters and, and your wives. Whoa. Uh, we just gave them the, they just took the piss and uh, that's when it was fun. That's when the shows became fun. <laughs> But we don't see that anymore. Like boo and at shows, even if it's two different style. I've never seen this in my whole life. Well, I mean, Machine Gun Kelly got booed at a, at uh, a festival. I, I, I'm not going to to that to those no. shows, but like I see a lot of shows with different genres together, and I've never seen that kind of like attitude. <laughs> no, no, it's rare nowadays for yeah. sure. Because like bands are like similar these days, and, and you would think that Goldfinger and Sex Pistols were similar, but it, they weren't. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> That's a very funny story. So, uh, and then you, you, you never stopped touring with Goldfinger. I mean, uh, the time. Well, you early were there. on on that on that first record, we toured. Uh, we, I think we held some sort of world record where we did 385 shows in 365 days. Wow, that's some crazy. kind of Guinness. Yeah, you guys are like you guys pulled the most shows off in a calendar year. Mm. We did three show days. We did two show days. Oh. We flew to Japan and uh, we had one day off for the flight. Oh, yeah, because you have no choice. <laughs> and uh, then we went to Sydney and we uh, we didn't get that same luxury. We, we flew 18 hours and had to play that night. Ah, the only way to make it work. But it wasn't it wasn't that bad because we were, again, we were young. Yeah, you we were, were young. Energetic. No need to sleep. And, but nowadays, no, that would kill us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wow. And oh, and I can't believe you toured with No Doubt. And in the early 90s, No Doubt was already huge. Yeah, it was during Tragic Kingdom. Oh, man. It was during that record that put them on the map with all the big hits they had. Just a Girl, Sunday Morning, uh, Don't, Don't Speak, like all those hits. And I'm still friends with them today. I mean, not Gwen. Oh. She's mm -hmm. a mega superstar. But I still talk to Tony and I still talk to Adrian and Tom. I still, we're still friends to this day. Wow. And uh, so, of course, a lot of people ask me why you're not in a band anymore. And I don't know if you want to talk about it. I have no idea. But I can I can touch on it. I can kind of give a, a, a broad stroke answer. Um, it's fine. The fun, I'm not going to go too deep into no, it because okay. there's, there's a lot of drama. But sure, sure, sure. Uh, just the fun, the fun level of being in, in that band was gone. Oh, okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Charlie left the band. Simon mm -hmm. left the band years ago. And then Kelly Lemieux came in and then he left the band. Um, yeah. So it was just me and John. You would think that that would work, but it, it wasn't like he didn't have the level of respect that I wanted. Mm -hmm. I got treated like an employee uh, a lot of the time. But you were My there. opinion didn't matter. But when, you when I did have an opinion, I was considered uh, a problem, problematic. Mm -hmm. I mean, little things too, like why do we, why, why, why wouldn't we do that tour? Because it's offered and this is how we make money. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, why, why don't we add another song to the set? Like little benign things would blow, would turn into gigantic explosions. And 
Um, rehearsals, even rehearsals, like showing up to rehearse wasn't fun. Oh yeah, I see. Um, mm-hmm. Transportation, like getting to, to, to the show was, there was some sort of drama mm-hmm. that had happened. Backstage, there was drama before and after the show, sometimes even during the show. Mm. I, I, if I didn't do what John wanted me to do, I got, I got looked at and, you know, you flip me off or say, fuck you. Oh. Uh, so the rest of my show was ruined. So just fun. So it was like an, an hourglass and the fun was just slowly pouring oh, out. I love the image. Wow. So uh, to the time when um, I got kicked out of the band for the third time. Oh, really? Third time? And the manager wanted to fix it and wanted to make things better. And I told her, don't, yeah, don't bother Like, mm-hmm. don't, don't, I don't, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. And it's been like five years, four years. Yeah, it's been five, it's been five or six years since, 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 but, and then they released a couple mediocre records that didn't really do anything. A couple of videos that really didn't do anything. It, 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 the glory days of Goldfinger were that those first four records, mm-hmm. including the Darren's Coconut Ass, which was a, a cover record. So I guess the first five releases of Goldfinger were what I considered the, the best yeah. section of Goldfinger when we were mm-hmm. the four, four of us. And, you know, Simon left and then Kelly became a, a, just as important of a member of the band as me or, or, or Charlie or John. Yeah, mm-hmm. So the four of us, um, that was a time when it was fantastic. Things were great. Tours were sold out. We got along. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw, I saw a certain somebody, you know, ascend to a certain level of ego during this time and I kind of saw the writing on the wall and at that, that's when I decided to get into learning how the music industry works and starting my yeah. own record label called High Four yeah. Recordings which I still I still have today uh, I got into to radio uh, and I moved Podcast. to Toronto I know yeah. you're, you're, in, you're in Canada right? Yes I'm in Quebec City I know you were uh, you're still Canadian how does it bec- uh, you're still a Canadian citizen of course um, let me see if I have this handy <laughs> Oh, you have your... All right, Canada passport. And so yeah. many... many... A, bunch of, a bunch of loonies just fell out. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, I moved to Canada and got into radio at the at the edge in Toronto. I got on air real quick and excet, excelled at yeah. it. And uh, that medium radio was something I always loved from a kid when I had a radio in my, you know, under my pillow and listened to the radio. Oh, uh, me too. When I'm supposed to be falling asleep, going to school, I listen to the radio. I did that too. Oh my God. Because when I was young, I was super anxious. Okay. So I was, I had trouble, trouble to sleep. So I, I would have my little radio and listen to like cheesy pop rock songs in Quebec. <laughs> yeah. Exactly the same thing. Wow. Yeah. So radio was always a big love of mine. So once I got into radio, I loved it. Mm. I loved everything about it. Being on air, producing a show, writing content. And then podcasting became a thing. So I started a podcast yeah. called The Dangerous Aaron Show oh, yeah. on Adobe Radio, and it's doing very well. Uh, I, I got a lot of sponsors. Oh, great. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a joy. It's been a joy of mine. I didn't do it to make money or to have sponsors, mm-hmm. but they started, they started to follow the show and like the content and like my history or whatever, all, all the above. And, and then they just started to come on board. And it's been great. I love I love that because after uh, uh, leaving Goldfinger, I mean you you still found other projects, so you you seem in peace with this. Were you like very bummed at the beginning, very sad about that? So did it take you a long time? Well, it before? happened slowly. It happened slowly because oh, okay. Goldfinger was touring like crazy in the, in the first section of the of the mm-hmm. history of the band, and then the next section it was it started to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because John realized he's a, a good producer, and he is. And I, yeah. I'll bag on John Feldman to the cows come home, but I won't drag him under the bus when it comes to production and songwriting. Mm-hmm. He knows he, he he produces at a high level and writes at an even higher level. So I knew that he was going to become this guy, yeah. The next, you know, this next high level producer. I saw the writing on the wall, and that's when I got into starting my own record label, knowing how label services work, like PR and marketing and promotion and licensing and sync. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got into radio and podcasting. So I knew I had to get into, involved in other areas of, of music because touring wasn't going wasn't to be oh, like okay. this forever. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
Good. And are you sometimes like nostalgic about this time or for you it was just you're very like zen about it about it? No, I'm not I'm not I'm not upset about it at all and I'm glad you asked because I have made peace with with John Feldman. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, not no, not him on the phone or face oh, to face. Okay. I, I tried. Inside of you. I, I, I called him several several years ago, oh, right sad. when I left, and said, "Hey, this is stupid. I don't oh. want to be in the band. You don't want me in the band, but that doesn't mean we can't be civil." And he didn't return my phone call. Oh, so, sorry. Um, if I had a cup of coffee with him, I think we we, we would be fine. Uh, I I don't resent him. No, I, feel I don't have any. I, I don't have any anger or no. animosity or pent up resentment. Not nothing. No, you I, know see, I feel I'm, a lot of respect. Uh, that you have I'm too old for that quite yeah. frankly I'm 52 and it's now it, it went from Goldfinger to Oldfinger just like that yeah. so I'm uh, I, I got a lot of, I let a lot of that go and not just John like everybody mm -hmm. like Charlie and you know, anybody else in the band I had problems with it's it's I I don't If they called me and said, hey, I'm sorry about this and this, I'm like, there's no need to apologize. Oh, great. No need at all. I, I just let it all go. My side of the fence is clear. So I only think about Goldfinger, honestly, when someone brings it up. Someone will go, hey, Darren, you're like, once off, you were in Goldfinger. Isn't that crazy? I'm like, yeah. And I stop and I go, yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so involved with my job. I, I work for a, a, a booking company, a large booking company doing finance and banking. I got the podcast, I got my record label, I got my wife and stepdaughter, I got tons of friends. I, I, my life is just, I got bands I play in, I got recordings I'm involved in. That's great. It's constantly moving and shaking. I don't have time to sit down and go, no. remember when I was in Goldfinger? Oh boy, those are the glory days. Uh, it's only when someone mentions it that I, I, I sit back and, and reminisce. And I tell you, I look back with mostly fond memories. I would say 85% fond yeah. memories. Because that's, that's the truth. Most of it was incredibly fun, touring the world, going to places I never thought I'd see, making wow. hundreds and hundreds of friends I still have today, putting out records that sold a lot of copies, mm -hmm. you know, getting all my musical equipment for free, which I still get today. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. All these microphones, this computer, all, all this hardware, all my, all my, that roll, the rolling kit I got for free, like, it's, it's still kind of happening, you know? Yeah. And I still get money in the mail from records sold and, and from, you know, uh, soundtracks that we played on and compilation records we were on. Yeah. And it's, it's called mailbox money. If you ask any musician, <laughs> it's called mailbox money. You get it in your mailbox and you look at it and you go, what the fuck? And you're like, oh, yeah. And then you open it, you see it's a check and you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's Which great. is fine because you, then it, was like, it always comes at the right time when you have a bill. Yeah. Like, How am I going to pay that bill? And then you get the mailbox money and then you pay the bill. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it's always fun to see that it still has some, um, I don't know in English, but like some positive reminders. I don't know how to say that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you get this in the mail and you're like, oh, good. Good times. <laughs> no, not just the financial. No, I know. But. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Of tours, great memories of, of recording the records, those records I mentioned, and and then going on, the, on, on going to Japan and Australia and Russia and go, going to all the places in the world I always wanted to go, and, mm. and and then the friends I still have today because of that experience um, will never be taken away. So, like my so time in Goldfinger during those glory years will never be taken away from from me. Uh, I cherish it. Wow. But you're still playing and I want to talk about punk rock karaoke because it's such a good project. Is it like a feel good thing for you to be in that band? It's funny that you mentioned feel good. It can't feel any more good. I, I have it, this feeling. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to figure out a way to get to Quebec City and Montreal this year. I want to I'm submit to, to sing. Oh, for sure. You're going to sing a couple. So uh, yeah, it's like we got Greg Hudson, who was in Bad Religion, doing Circle Jerks touring now. Randy Bradbury, who replaced Steve Soto, rest his soul. Oh yeah, mm. uh, from Pennywise, mm -hmm. and uh, Stan Lee from the Dickies, and myself from you know Goldfinger and um, whatnot. Uh, That's amazing. And now we have Noodles from Offspring. Oh, in the band. I didn't know that. Filling in for Greg while Greg is away with uh, with Circle Jerk. Hell yeah! We've done some shows. We're doing the flogging Molly Cruz later this month with him. 
And he is just so excited. And when I say, when you said feel good, it really rang a bell with me because oh. the feeling of being in this band is the best feeling I've had of any band I've ever been in. All the bands I've mentioned, including mm -hmm. Goldfinger, there was drama. Oh. And anybody that's in a band will tell you there's always a little bit of drama. It's never sure. drama free. No, it's like ever. a family or a couple. It's yeah. just. This band. The reason why we all get along so much and the reason why it's so much fun and feel good, like you mentioned, is because there's no singer. <laughs> no, we don't have uh, that guy that's going to show up late. You have thousands of singers. We don't have the singer that's going <laughs> to complain about this or complain about that or refuse to do this or refuse to do that. No, it's all... <laughs> You it's still, all just musicians. You still have thousands of singers that doesn't carry like gear and stuff <laughs> every night. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? When we play shows, it's mostly backline. We show up, it's the, the gear's already yeah. there, and we sit down and play just and, uh, you know, whatever. But the singers are, um, you know, they're people that show up and have a couple drinks and get the bravery to come up and sing like any other karaoke setting. Uh, and about 80% to 90% of them are... are decent or spot on and then yeah. there's 10% that are just don't know the words or they're drunk or both and oh, then I'll jump on I'll jump on the microphone and fix it okay good so, the, we, so don't, always, we don't have to be good singers to uh, to apply no you don't nice you don't you know you can get up there and be off key uh, and sing poorly but it's all about fun this is so fucking punk. Go up and have some fun. And it's, it's so much fun. I, I've known Greg Hudson for years and years and years when we toured with Bad Religion uh, and on the Stranger Than Fiction tour. Mm -hmm. uh, I've known Randy Bradbury from Pennywise for years. Uh, Eric Melvin from NoFX was in the band when I yeah, joined. And then he got that. too busy with NoFX and got too busy with his family. So he, he bowed out. And mm -hmm. I, I've known uh, Stan of the Dickies. I mean, just a great punk rock collection of guys yeah and it's a family yeah and i feel like you don't have any pressure to of course not like but like release an album and like it's just totally like i said it's a feel-good project and it's just 100 percent fun it's one of the funnest things i've ever done in my life and during pandemic you released some videos that was great too oh during the pandemic yeah that was my idea i said no. to the guys I'm like, why, why don't we call some of our friends and make yeah. a video and then it kind of grew uh into its own thing uh we stopped doing it because everyone's recording or touring or you know covid seems to have slowed way down but mm -hmm. when we were doing it it was fun yeah keep the project alive i was always excited like oh yeah they released a new video <laughs> every week it was i mean every week for like 50 something weeks we did this it was mm -hmm. i look back now and i'm like holy shit what an incredible amount of work We did. Yeah, and but now I guess the shows are coming back. Are you planning some shows? Yeah, you told me. Uh, oh, we were doing shows like crazy now. Now they're now they're, they're coming in fast and furious. Yeah. Ah, uh, great. So yeah, next time you're you're here, I I absolutely want to sing a song. Um, I've been talking to some people. I'm talking. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Stomp Records. Can you uh, can you uh, say that again? It it cut a little. Yeah, talking about Quebec City and talking about Canada, uh, I, I was in touch with Mike from, from Stomp Records. Ah, uh, yeah, good people. Uh, and he's got, he knows, yeah, he, he knows everybody in, in Quebec and everybody in Canada. So he's going to help me try to route this tour oh, through right. like, um, start in London, do Toronto, and then maybe do Ottawa, uh, Quebec, uh, Montreal, and then into Quebec City. Yes. Uh, Punk Rock Karaoke has played Montreal a couple times and it's been great, but we've never been to Quebec City. Oh, I'm, I'm going to show you the best Putin spot, even if Putin is not a very <laughs> But, you know, we, yeah, I want to show you uh, some great spot if you want. It's a, it's a very course, pretty city. I live last in. time I was in Quebec City was playing drums with some 41. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. Not well, a, couple years, a couple years before the, the, uh, pot, the uh, COVID started, I, I did a show there and the, and the Mighty Mighty Bostones were on it. Oh. It was mighty, mighty, It was outside uh, at some festival. It was mighty, mighty boss towns. Some forty-one. Yeah, I could. I couldn't be there. Where was that? Hmm. It was outdoors somewhere. Yeah, I know. I missed big that outdoor outdoor show. I think I was out of the city. I remember that. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> uh, it was fun. 
Yeah, good. So I'm excited that it's in the plan for you to come here in my beautiful city. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we. Need- I know. Uh, you'll see. You'll see the poster, and you'll be excited. And of course, you can come. I'll put you on the guest list, and you can, you can bring some friends, and uh, we'll get you on stage and sing a couple tunes. I'm excited. We all need this in Quebec. We had so many restrictions with COVID and now we feel like the shows are starting again. So we're like super happy. I'm going to see Come Back Kid uh, next week, uh, in two weeks. Gonna be awesome. Yeah. Love those guys. I want to talk about the podcast because I love to podcast. Um, so you interviewed great people in the punk rock scene already. Did, did you have like a ha-ha moment with some of your guests? Because it's always happening for me. <laughs> um, to, yeah, yeah. And Jello Biafra. I had Jello oh, Biafra. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And that guy can talk. I don't know if you've interviewed him yet. Mm-mm. But I could probably set you up with him. Yes, but just, please. So, just so you know, he will talk your face off. Okay, good. And you ask him one question. Fine. And you'll get an, you'll get an hour. My favorite. Uh, Ian Mackay from Minor Threat. I had five or six questions lined up for him. I got through one of them. Oh, shit. Yeah. Because we just started talking about old school DC hardcore. And we started talking about punk rock ethics. And we started talking about those great Fugazi records. And and then all the questions I had just kind of fell by the wayside. And I said to him at the end, I go, hey, Ian, I got to have you on again. uh, Because I got one of five questions. He goes, yeah, call me whenever. (laughs) You got my number. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, you're man, in- there's never been like aha moments. It's, it's just, just you got to go with the flow. Yeah. You know, you've interviewed a number of people. You just got to go with it. Have, it's like swimming. You just got to keep f- swimming. True. Wow, that's right. And uh, finally, I mean, uh, you are you doing solo projects still? Solo songs? And are you planning to do I've been thinking about... W- getting back in and doing some more dangerous Darren recordings. I did two records and they were chock full of just horrible punk rock songs. <laughs> and I did that on purpose. And I've had some people message me like, when are you going to make another record? Those two records you made were, were brilliant, brilliantly stupid. Mm-hmm. And you need to do another one. So I got a couple songs. I, I, I wrote, I wrote one about John Feldman called fake vegan. I put it up on YouTube. It's on YouTube. You can find. So I got a, I got a number of tunes that I wrote. I just gotta put them all in one spot oh. and uh, and then you know make a make a CD and, and put it out. Good. So, oh, also, this, is, this, this yeah. is the first one actually I made. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to find this record. Dangerous yeah. Darren. Oh. The revenge of the revenge of Chicken McNuggets, which is a Goldfinger song. Oh. And then the back, I'm, I got I'm next to Wayne Gretzky. Oh, a lot of people wanted me to ask you about that, about Wayne Gretzky and hockey, because you're a huge fan. So many punk rockers are hockey fan. I just talked with Ross Renkin like a month yeah. ago, and he was uh-huh. he's like, a big New Jersey Devils fan. Yeah, <laughs> he's also a hockey scout. He's a he's a pro pro hockey scout, which I'm yeah. so fucking jealous of. We talked about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, Tri-City, he's a scout for the Tri-City Americans. He, he does that. Uh, you have um, uh, Chris from Andy Flag is a big hockey fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Hudson is a big hockey fan. Propaganda. Eric Melvin is a big hockey fan. So there's a lot of punk rock hockey guys. Um, and Wayne Gretzky was my hero growing up. Of course, I loved my hometown team, the Buffalo mm-hmm. Sabres, and those guys. But they never achieved anything. They never went on and won Stanley Cups. So ho- Buffalo was such, such a hockey market that when there was no hockey, they, they showed Oilers games because the Oilers in the 80s were red hot, as you know. They just won mm-hmm. Stanley Cup after Stanley Cup. So I got to see this kid Wayne Gretzky play all the time. So yeah. I just naturally said, that's my favorite hockey player. Yeah. He still is. And Goldfinger has a great song about him. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that song and I, I played it for the record label and they're like, it's going on the Goldfinger record. I'm like, really? Cool. Nice. Thanks. But did you meet him? Meet him? I have met him uh, a few times after this song. He has heard the song. <laughs> and Did you we, have a we've date? Made, we've made peace with it. I, I, uh, he just said to me, I go, I'm really sorry, Wayne. I met him with my wife. I said, this is my wife. <laughs> I don't, I'm not gay. I don't really want to have sex with you. 
I just like writing some funny songs. And he's signing some autographs for me. And he goes, yeah, just, just so you know, it's a little weird when a man writes a song about having sex with me. Mm-hmm. He's like, you get that, right? And I go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I go, I'm sorry. He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, no, it was funny. It was funny. But he goes, a little weird. I go, no, no a lot weird. Oh, so he, goes, he, he had the chance to express himself about that and you could justify it. That's... <laughs> So uh, now when I see him, which isn't very often, but when I do see him, I run into him sometimes at Kings games. I go, hey, Wayne. He'll go, hey, uh, nice to meet you. I go, Darren Pfeiffer, dangerous, <laughs> dangerous Darren Pfeiffer. And he goes, oh, yeah, how you doing? And How's like, your wife? I'm good. And he goes, I go, look, still married. <laughs> I, I, mean you, I mean you no harm. So he'll laugh and we'll take a, a, you know, a selfie and, you know. Oh, that's great. He still gets a kick out of it. Oh, and do you have any other project you're working on these days that I should be aware of? And like, yeah, the podcast is doing well. Dangerous Darren show. People can hit him up or hit me up on Instagram at dangerous D underscore show. Uh, that show is doing really well. I'm really happy with it. Uh, and I'm in yeah. this other band that I'm working on right now called the August Madness. Oh, it's one of those bands I recorded for and ended up joining. Because the band was so nice. The guys were so nice. Um, August Madness is like electro pop. Electro okay. 80s pop. Oh, nice. It's, it sounds really 80s. It sounds really electronic. But it's pop. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not punk. It's not ska. It's nothing like that at all. It's really a departure of what I'm used to. But man, oh man, I do love the songs. And I love the guys. And we're releasing a new song. Um, in another month called I Made My Peace. So August Madness. People check out the August Madness. Wow. Great. Thank you, Darren. It was an amazing conversation. I We should do an episode about space like for an, an hour. <laughs> I mean, we could. We, we could, could be, easily do that. Could be a bonus <laughs> episode. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan of what, you, what you've been doing and you're building this great project and I'm, oh. I'm honored to be part of your show. Thank you so much. And yeah, let's keep in touch. And maybe we're going to meet soon in Quebec City. It's going to be great. Yes. Before the calendar year ends, we'll be in Quebec City. Hell yeah. Thank you, Darren. All right, love. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. That's it for today, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you love this episode. If you want to support the show, you can subscribe to your favorite platform. You can share it to your punk rock friends. You can also subscribe to the Patreon if you want to financially support the show. By the way, I'm going to make a donation for Ukraine with all the Patreon income and all the nation I received in March. I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Epic Merch Store. Thank you to Scott Alquist for the edit. Thank you to Caroline Morin for the visual. And I can't wait to see you next week, but until then, punk your life! <laughs>